to Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. Hey, Mitch! Hey, Mitch! Hey, Mitch! Hey, Mitch! Hey, Mitch! Hey, Mitch. Hey, Mitch. Hey, Mitch. Hey, Mitch. Hey, Mitch. Hey, Mitch. So Rafa, I have you on. Uh, hey Mitch, finally! I'm I'm so glad that you would you would join me. Um, I know that uh, I've had uh, Stephen on here from this uh-huh. new, uh, conversation with this new machine, and you also had a few of us from Geek Elite Radio on to your guys's arguably our greatest episode. <laughs> I would say, I mean, I, I I would never knew that I would be able to talk for forty minutes about cereal. So. That's the thing, though. I mean, I don't think we've ever had an such an engaging conversation as cereal. And thank you for that. <laughs> that was it was it was it was quite amazing. So I, I appreciate it. No, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. You guys do some amazing work. And just being able to nerd out and geek out about these kinds of things is something that I feel very um, fortunate to be able to be a part of. So thank you for having me. Yeah, no, that's and that's exactly what uh, I wanted when I, you know, we thought of this as the, uh-huh. the, the way to conversation and talk to people about uh, oh yeah about these type of things. So uh, today we are here because this weekend. Uh, was the premiere of yes, X-Men Apocalypse. Yes, it was. <laughs> and I know that, uh, as I've seen on your social media and your uh, your presence on a conversation with this new machine, you like to talk about movies a lot. Oh, I love movies. That's Everybody has the things that they like, and I'm not saying that I'm a movie critic by any means. Oh, right. Um, it's just, for me, you know, storytelling is something that's really big. That's why I would prefer to play Kingdom Hearts rather than Skyrim at times. Because, you know, making the story is, is great, but having something unfold in front of you and getting to connect with that is great. And I think besides, you know, comic books and, you know, actual literature, movies are this interesting medium where we can really see before our very eyes um, something brought to us in like two two hours, three hours. So yeah, anything movies I love and I getting to share that is amazing. You know, and I, I'm exactly the same way. That's uh, seeing characterization of people and how different actors or different directors even... Because they say you know movies are a director's medium, because they, they are the last ones, pretty much the last ones to get to their voices is, is what what shows up on the screen, is is very much so what I I love about movies in general, and uh, so listening to you talk about them has really uh, made it so that I I uh, would love to ha- I wanted to have you on the show well, thank with you. me, so uh, uh, and then I know that we both had a, uh, a mutual affiliate. Uh, Enjoyment of comic books. So, oh yeah! Oh yeah! So X Men Apocalypse was the perfect one to talk about. Oh, definitely, definitely. <laughs> we get to see our favorite characters on screen and either be put in a way that we agree with or in a way that's just like, what the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> and I would have to say that uh, I'm I fall on the ladder of what the hell oh, is okay. <laughs> for this movie. Oh yeah. Um, speaking of your favorite X Men, do you have a favorite particular X Men, a particular mutant? Yes, and thank you. <laughs> so everybody is hype, and 
no offense to Brian Singer, he's given us a good amount of a good lore of X Men films. But for, you know, for people that have read the comics and have enjoyed a lot of these X Men stories, which at their core is all about you know family and you know finding yourself and you know oppression, being able to get past that. I've always connected with Cyclops. Scott Summers has always been my favorite X Men for multiple like, multiple different reasons. Um, but specifically, you know, reading him in stories like you know all new X Men, reading him in um, Josh Whedon's Astonishing X Men, Messiah Complex, um, House of M, everything that happened after the Decimation and all that jazz. Specifically in Second Coming, Scott Summers to me was that character that people painted him as. You know, like like oh look at this. Well, again, I have a, an affiliation with Superman, and people say like oh look at that Boy Scout. Scott Summers kind of had some of that same same stuff, but. With Cyclops, it was more about, okay, so we have this child soldier who was raised to, to, to take over the mantle of Charles Xavier, and he had to keep his people alive, more so later once House of M happened, and that's where we really got to see Cyclops shine, because now all of these mutants are depowered, all of these people are looking for him for, for guidance, because Charles is gone, and Cyclops really stood, um, you know, he's really stood up to this challenge. I've never been a big... I mean, I've liked Gene and Scott, but I've always been a big Scott and um, Emma fan. Mm. I've enjoyed that. I like that whole thing. Because, you know, Scott, he had to go through a lot. And I thought he had layers and layers of complexity. Whereas Wolverine, you know, nothing against Wolverine, but with him, you know, you throw him at something, can he'll destroy it. You know, he's, he's an indestructible. That's kind of his whole character motif. But with Cyclops, it was he was this leader that had to keep everyone alive, and he had to make impossible choices, and just that in itself really connected with me. And I just I love the character of Scott Summers so much. I also really like Colossus. Um, I really like Polaris. I think she's awesome. Um, I've always enjoyed Magneto, uh, like many people. Magic, she's great. Um, and even with some of the, the newer characters that are coming out after all new X Men, I or Uncanny X Men, should I say? Um, Psylocke was great, but ultimately it's always been Cyclops, Scott Summers. That's been my favorite X-Men. That's amazing because uh, my partner in Imagine If, Chris Franey, his his favorite character is Cyclops. Like it's there it is. Oh. Forever. So uh, it's it's great to hear that. My particular one is, is Hank McCoy. Beast has always been my favorite Beast. X-Men. Um, I always liked the idea that how, as, as a kid myself, I was I was a little bit on the intelligent, I mean, I was on the intelligent side, but then I was also on the big side, so, like, this character that was very physical, but chose to be intellectual instead, was, uh, the reason I always kind of, uh, um, related to him more. That's awesome. So, uh, and that's what I, that's what I love about comic books. They, they, you find a character that you can relate to, and then you, you stick with it, or you, uh, you become more, um, I don't know, you kind of learn your lessons kind of that way from, from relating to those characters too. It's true. You you create a relationship and sometimes a character will grow and you really enjoy that or they will throw something completely 180 on you such as the the new um, twist with Captain America that we don't have to get into. <laughs> that literally just happened and blew up the internet. It sure did. It sure um, did. I don't know why I said it like that. Right? Just, that's it fine. sure did. <laughs> but, I mean, that, that, that's just it. That's what makes it so powerful. You connect with these characters. You connect with these stories. And, you know, like, like for me personally, I, I recently read um, DC Rebirth. And reading through that, like, there's moments where you have genuine just – Heartbreak, or you you connect with these fictional characters. And I think oh, that's what makes it so, so much beautiful. So, yeah, in, in in Rebirth, it was it was incredible that way. Oh, yeah. the, the story the storyline how it's written. Um, 
so yeah, I would have to say that uh, it, 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 I'm glad to know that we both have the same feeling yes. towards these these materials. And that's what makes these these conversations so well because you know we are passionate about these types of things. Whereas you know people can easily say like, oh, I don't like that. Like, oh, well, why don't you like that? Like, I don't know. I just don't like it. Right. <laughs> or in our case, you know, it's more high stakes. It's more you know. Well, if you don't like a movie. Or if you don't like a characterization, it's because it's it's a dishonor to what you connected with. Right, exactly. And you know that's what I I, I know. Uh, I, I I said this before, or at least I have said it before in uh, different ways. But like, you have uh, when it comes to comic book movies, we I think people who are were into the comic books first usually get labeled as fanboys if if something uh-huh. comes out that you don't like but everybody else did. Uh, but like, if a book, a movie was based off of a book, a well-known book, like if they were to have made Lord of the Rings and like totally changed certain oh, characters, yeah. you would have an uproar. You would yeah, have people riots go, on the street. Exact, exactly. But we're as comic book fans, we're supposed to just sit there and be like, "Oh, well, your stuff is is silly. It doesn't really matter." Yeah. So I mean, I've taken, I you know, like I, I've taken the idea that uh, being a fanboy is is not bad. It's I I have something that I'm fanatical about. That's right, and I'm okay with that. And, exactly. And when you misrepresent it in a certain way, just for whatever reason, you know, it 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 hurts. It it just does it doesn't do it. So which then gets us to this movie. <laughs> oh yeah, X Men Apocalypse. This is the sixth X Men movie. Mm-hmm. By Brian Singer, yes. Well, no, well, he's the producer, producer. on the other it, two, but he, he only oh, directed true. four. That's right, that's right. So he went one, two, uh, Days of Future Past, and then this one, mm-hmm. Apocalypse. And for me, I actually enjoy three and first class more than the other four. Okay. Uh, I don't know how. Uh, where where would you stand in in the where these movies rank? Uh, you For don't have to give me a ranking, but right. you know, just I always really enjoyed X two. Uh-huh. Um, I thought that was pretty good. Bringing in Kurt, I thought was a good choice, and it felt more, it felt more focused. It felt more like power coming at you. Whereas I felt the original X Men to me didn't really do much for me. I, I liked X Three as well. I thought that was pretty good, and First Class was beautiful because First Class kind of put new blood into this X Men machine, which I thought he kind of understood. And I, I think everything that they've got going well for them, I really enjoy the relationship between Magneto and Professor X. Yes. For sure. Uh, Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy, both of them really connect. Um, very, they have good connection with each other and that really shows on screen. And especially for two character or two actors to come in after both of those characters have been well established in this, exactly. this franchise with two different actors. Oh, yeah. I think they came in and killed it. Completely. Because in one sense, I mean, you already have the amazing work of like Patrick Stewart, right? Perfect, perfect Professor X, and then you have these new characters that come in and are able to do justice, add some, like, like I said, new blood. They're able to reinvigorate um, these characters and kind of show new motivations. What were they like when they were younger and that relationship building? And I think that that is kind of the central focus that I feel behind Singer's movies is that relationship. Right. That and then his overall love for the character Wolverine, which... <laughs> Is it, which is fine, <laughs> and his mutual hatred for Cyclops for some reason, <laughs> he but does. whatever. It's so, <laughs> it's so rampant. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, you kind of seen that every X Men movie, if you include uh, Wolver- X Men Origins Wolverine and the, the, Wolverine, the Wolverine, have become Wolverine movies. Other yeah. than uh, other than uh, X Men First Class, yeah, like even this one, this X Men Apocalypse, we get yet a fourth. 
uh, showing of his this origin. Cameo, just here he and, is. And, and, and how he became Wolverine. Uh-huh. It's like, we already had a whole movie based off that. Why did we need to have it yet again? Exactly. It's... They get, just can't put it away. Like, they have to keep reminding us, hey, this is Wolverine. Check him out. He's cool. <laughs> and, I mean, nothing against you, Jackman. He's a good Wolverine. Oh, I my God. Him. I mean, yeah. You, you, you go into jacked. You go into the idea that when he was first cast and you got this, what, 6'2 guy playing uh-huh. Wolverine who's supposed to be 5'2. Uh-huh. And you're just like, well, that doesn't make it easy. But, no, he's taken on the identity of Wolverine he has. so much that, you know, you... We, who can you really picture as anybody else? Or anybody else playing exactly. the role? But obviously, the next Wolverine movie he says is, is supposed to be his last, his last one, and we will eventually have to get a new one if they're going to continue on with this. Exactly these, these comic book movies, and you know they will uh-huh. because uh, Deadpool just came out with you know well what a twenty million dollar budget making uh, more than any of the other X Men movies. So much money, you yeah. know. Have, they did it have right. ma- they, and that's that's what I, I want to get to eventually. At this is that. Deadpool, a movie that Fox didn't even want to make, they had to, they had to to kick and scream to get made, and then they had a guy, uh, writers and a director who wanted to stay true to what you see in the comic books, and that one made more than any of the other X Men movies, uh, not put together but just uh, in general. Yeah, uh, already it's 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 what almost eight hundred million dollars worldwide oh, yeah. already. Yeah, so that's amazing. Uh, obviously, they had something going right there, but yet. You keep going back to this formula that you don't care about what, uh, how the characters uh, were were in the established source material. Yeah. You don't care about the storyline that you've already created for yourselves, and you don't even stick to it. Exactly, the continuity is horrendous. <laughs> I feel like they try to change it with you know Days of Future Past, which I guess was a its own interesting way. But at the same time, I mean, you go back and you look at these characters, like, wait, so what's happening? When did this happen? When did that happen? So yeah, I get that. So yeah, that in itself makes it really hard to follow these films. Whereas, I mean, you have the rival, the opposite, right? With Marvel Studios. Mm -hmm. And what they do so well is they've created this amazing continuity. And specifically, you know, with Civil War that just came out, everything was right about that movie because it builds on relationships that they've already established, but adding that, that poignancy, that pathos, that characterization with these high stakes. And I felt with, specifically with Apocalypse, like, yeah, it felt big at certain moments, but I felt that some of the characters that are already established, you don't feel as connected to them. And then, so now they're trying to bring in these new characters, right? Such as um, Gene, Cyclops, not enough Jubilee. I like that they introduced Jubilee, but... She which, she was just kind of there, which I thought was weird too, is because this movie's supposed to take place in 1983, yep. which is ten years before after the the last movie, which was yep. you know and and Jubilee was created in the night like for the 90s. Yeah, she was very the 90s, 90s movie. Yeah, everything about her is even in this movie, her her wardrobe sticks out oh, yeah. more than anybody Everybody else's, else's because it doesn't fit. So the fact is, she they wanted to throw her in for whatever reason, and then not even use her. No, at all. She's literally just there to be a background character uh-huh. with maybe what two lines, I think, at the most. Yeah, she's just kind of there, and you guys are like, oh, I know who that is. Yeah, it's more for like the fanboys, like, oh, here we put her in there. <laughs> yeah. You guys can't say anything. Like, okay, first of all, you put her in the wrong movie. You did. And second of all, you don't, you don't do her any justice. You didn't use her. They don't say her name. Once. Once, that's right. She doesn't use her powers. Ever. So literally all you see is the yellow jacket, and you're just yeah. like, oh, well, yeah. She goes to the I mall with the other three yeah. characters. But I did think that they did Kurt very well, Nightcrawler, specifically. I love the fact that he was wearing the Michael Jackson beat it jacket <laughs> the entirety of that movie. And he was good comedic effect, which I thought was great. But, I mean, 
it shows it shows in the movies that there's just some characters that they just don't really give a lot of attention to. No. Same thing with uh, which was an affront um, with X Men Three. I like that they introduced Beast, but they should have introduced him in the first film. Yeah, they did. He, I mean, they should have. Yeah, yes. they should have because he was you know one of the originals and he's very important to the series. Right. But they kind of like, oh, let's put him in later. I'm like, no, well, I look, mean, there's Beast. That was exactly what was wrong with the first movie. I mean, and I've gone to say this like, you had part one and part two. Which were good movies for the time because we didn't have any other comic That's movies. That's right. I just wanted I wanted to see comic book characters up on the screen. That's right. And I loved seeing them. But now I, I feel like you go back and rewatch them, it doesn't hold. They don't hold up. Exactly. It's because now we can see what a good superhero movie can be. Exactly. And so we go back and yeah, while they were great for what they've kind of established and helped helped us to get to a certain point. Now it's like well, the story that I want to see is I want to see Cyclops yep. and Angel and Iceman and Marvel Girl. And um, Beast. And I want to see them go and fight Magneto. I want to see that story. So, I mean, you you, you, you you go and watch that first X-Men movie again, and you're like, why weren't they the first class? Why wasn't it Gene, Scott, Bobby, uh, Angel, and, and Beast? Right. Maybe because Beast and Angel were going to be a little too difficult to do. Uh, well, at least not. Beast probably wouldn't have been blue at that point, so yeah. you wouldn't have to have him blue. But And I feel a big reason for that is I felt they wanted to... Est- Again, you not, a lot of, not, a lot, not a lot of characters have been established yet, or not a lot of hero movies have been made yet. So I felt like, okay, let's put in Storm. She's well-known. Let's put in Wolverine. He's well-known. Sabretooth was in there, Cyclops, Gene, and then Rogue, because everybody knows Rogue. Right. And so I felt like, okay, I can understand what they were trying to do. And I think even Brian Singer understood that, because now as he's going back, he's bringing in these characters again. I still feel like he doesn't know how to write Angel, though. No. <laughs> like, in the third one, he didn't know how to write Angel. And well, now that was Brett Ratner. One, oh, that's the right. The third one was Brett Ratner. That's right. But at least that one, that character of Angel was is closer to what is in right. the comic book. Yeah. This, this one, we have this Angel that's... European and uh, a thug and like re- is ready to beat on people and has a talon in his in his wings. Yep. There's no talon in, no in his wings in the comic book. Exactly. But you know they wanted to make him, I guess, da- more dangerous so that when he became Archangel, it made more sense yeah. for whatever reason. Try but to give him an edge. Yeah. And I don't know if that worked or not because even when the, he was setting up uh, Apocalypse, was setting up his you know Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. It's kind of I felt like a lot of them didn't have any character development. Psylocke, Olivia Munn, she looked the part. She looked the part. Don't get me wrong. I I think Olivia Munn. If, I don't know if you ever watched the newsroom on HBO. I have. That's a great show. She, and she does a great job of Slow Sabbath. Uh huh. So I I know she's got the acting chops, but they literally put her as just an ornament. Yeah. She she has a few lines at the very beginning, then she does some action scenes, and that's about it. Right. And like, now they're setting her up for the next movie when she kind of leaves like silently. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> like okay, you didn't get into any of her her origin, any of the idea that she's. Like, is that the first body? Are you going to go with the whole Betsy Braddock switching yeah. bodies thing or anything like that? Uh, they kind of get her powers wrong. Like, she makes the side blade, but then it's a blade that actually affects the physical world instead of affecting the mind yeah. like it's supposed to do. Exactly. And then this side whip comes out of nowhere, and you're just like, I mean, I guess if she can make a side blade, yeah, she, she can, can make, make a, a side whip. whip. Yeah. But it's just like, where did that come from? Exactly. <laughs> and then also, I feel like the only character development they created was... So, you know, Magneto already has his, and then they they good, they did a good job of establishing that as well. You know, I thought the scenes with him, specifically with his family, I thought that was very well done. And I felt that heartbreak. Okay, I get that. And it felt more like this was a Magneto redemption story, which was kind of part in there. Right. No, it was. But I also think that they kind of just stole straight from the X-Men Origins Wolverine movie, because that's... The exact same setup that they had for Wolverine in that movie. Exactly. He's off on his own. He's trying to live a life as a, as a normal person. And then all of a sudden, 
his loved one dies, uh-huh. and now oh! rage and thrust back into the action. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? It's just like how are you already recycling stories? Right. They tried. They tried with Aurora. I, I give them credit for that. They tried something, and that's that, that was nothing. But it wasn't enough. Like they they literally started to set up a character for her, like they set did. up a story for her. she's this orphan or she's she's a street rat and she's stealing things and oh she she looks up to Mystique and then that's all just to set up just for our last part. Where she electrocutes. I'm gonna join you guys. Yeah. It's just like, oh, like exactly. You like, literally thought something was gonna happen. And it's then... a cheap plot device. It didn't. It didn't develop anything. And going back to that, one thing that I do not like about these movies, and I feel like a lot of people on the internet agree. Not not everybody, but some do. The movies are too focused on Mystique. Yes, especially ever since. I mean, Jennifer Lawrence, great actress. I love what she does. But that's what it is. It's Jennifer Lawrence. That's what it is. And so you know, seeing Mystique in this, this like, oh, she's the hero. Look at this. Like, let's motivate <laughs> these young kids. That's not the role that I want to see her in. No. I want to see you know, just villainous, angry. Like, I don't mind a, a good Mystique, but I don't think she should be so central like she was in the majority of these films. Right, and, and you, you got to take into account the studio is paying for Jennifer Lawrence. Exactly. So they're going, well, we're going to put her in screen time as much as we possibly can. Exactly. However, could you not have made her a villainous person? I mean, do you right. think Jennifer Lawrence doesn't want to play a villain? Right. She's played a hero how many times now? Mm-hmm. She, I mean, she, She's I'm, Katniss Everdeen. She's had enough time being a hero right <laughs> so she can I, I would imagine she would have been like yeah i'll totally be a villain you know i'll be on on apocalypse's side which she was uh in the, i believe in the 90s cartoon mm-hmm. she helps get rogue to come over to apocalypse but you know i mean yes in the x-men comic book she has also played the hero she's she's been at the school she has been a teacher yeah. there you know there's uh, stuff like that has happened but um it just it a lot of it just her being the hurrah let's go mutant kind yeah we're gonna beat this all back and it, it just seems so out of place yeah and I just didn't feel it I felt like if anyone should have done that I feel they should have established that with a different character they could have done that better with Beast I think you know Hank would have been a good choice for that but because they've already established Raven as such a higher like look at everything she's done mm-hmm. they they put they box themselves into a corner but they did that on purpose specifically because they want her to be this face yes yes for what they wanted which again. Has its pros, has its cons, but you know, for me, watching the film, especially to me, it was very cringeworthy. Like at the end, when she's like, "You guys are X Men, we're gonna train you." It's like I don't want to hear that speech from you. I'd rather it end that way with Charles, or maybe even somebody else. Someone it should else have been Charles. It should have been well, Charles, exactly. I well, mean, or any someone else. I, but again, we don't know who else it would have been. If Wolverine had been established, Wolverine could have been in that, yeah. in that, in that sense. But I don't know. I just. They did that. And I felt like they did the same thing kind of with um, Halle Berry as Storm, especially towards the end. Again, it's Halle Berry, so mm-hmm. they gave her more time. They made her more important. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, by the third film, I mean, how many real established X-Men were left? I mean, you had Logan, you had Jean after she killed Scott, <laughs> and then you had and Storm. It's not, and it's not even a death on screen. He gets a death off screen. Like, literally, they come back and... His visor is just sitting there. Yeah, he's gone. Like, what happened to Scott? <laughs> exactly, Brian Singer. What did you do to Scott? <laughs> you bastard. But that's me just being better. But it's. And but I, Gene I think dies. Like, You're right. Gene dies. Uh, Professor Xavier dies. Yep. Let alone at the end of that movie, for some reason, he's he's transfer. He, his body trans. His consciousness transfers to his twin brother. or Whatever. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's hard because especially in X three. I felt there weren't enough big characters established to where, you know, you cared enough. By the end of it, you had Wolverine and you had Storm fighting Dark Phoenix Gene and Magneto comes in and tries to help. And then that's that's because you had 
Hugh Jackman and Halle Berry, and those exactly. are your huge stars. You need to make them focus on it. Exactly, and I feel, so I feel he tried to change that now when he came out with you know First Class, which was great. And, you know, but then again, that was Matthew Vaughn. There you go. And Matthew oh, Vaughn, right. Matthew Vaughn, I, he made that movie, and I was like, this this is the way an X Men movie should be done. Each character, even the lesser known kids that were on the team. Got to have characterization. They got to have right. their stories told for whatever reason. The part with Darwin always gets me. <laughs> but see, like, like that was open for the whole reason they called the character Darwin is because he can survive through anything. That's right. Yet you have this scene where he dies and then never have anything come up about it. You uh-huh. know, you should have him at the the post credit scene should be him being like, "I'm alive. Because, I'm okay <laughs> because I survive anything." Yeah, I survived Kevin Bacon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh. So, uh, so then, and, and then, that's another thing. Like this whole world is this whole new rebooted X Men timeline has been established since 1963. So the next movie is 1973, ten, ten years later. Yes, and and then you have uh, once again another ten years. And you're supposed to tell you're telling me that these actors are supposed to be twenty years older than when we saw them at first. None right. of them look any older. They don't. <laughs> Even Xavier. It's probably part of the X gene. They don't age. I, that's the only thing that you can give. Left to interpretation. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but then again, he says even about Moira McTaggart. He's like, she doesn't look like she's aged a day. Like. And she's completely human. Yeah. So that's right. You know, how is it supposed to be twenty years? Like, and then you're supposed to tell me that another in another fifteen years, because 1983 to 1999, when they make X Men One, he's going to become looking like uh, Xavier or Patrick Stewart. He's yeah. going to be that old already. Yeah. <laughs> so again, it's that, that that continuity. It's it's broken for the most part. I mean, even going back and like watching Hugh Jackman now, as jacked as he is, oh. and then watching him in the first movie, it's he's like not nearly as. What jacked. happened to you, sir? <laughs> What happened? Oh, man. That, that is so true. But, I mean, that that's the problem with, you know, building these new franchises, adding to it. I mean, it gets better and it gets better. And I felt uh, X-Men Apocalypse, it had its faults, but it had its good, it had its good parts. I personally wasn't a big fan of um, Oscar Isaac's performance as Apocalypse. I felt that, I don't know, he, he, was, he was a villain, but I just, I felt like I couldn't take him too seriously at times. Maybe if they made his eyes white the whole time, I would mm. have. But being able to see Ozzer, like, I, I could tell that that was, you know, that was um, Poe Dameron from right. Star Wars. I could tell that's who that was. <laughs> and then maybe that's on me. But at the same time, I felt he could have been bigger or, you know, established a little bit more. He could be grandier. Yeah, like, exactly. It, it, this is Apocalypse. This is, is literally supposed to be one of the first mutants oh, yeah. there is. Whether or not you subscribe to the fact that he had some uh, alien DNA in him or not, you know, what happens in the comic books. But he is supposed to be bigger. He's supposed to be this entity that is going to be hard for the X-Men to fire or to, to fight. But he's he's just uh, he's normal size of a guy. He has a few powers. You know, obviously he's able to take control of some people, but... W- they didn't really have that hard of a time no. defeating him. No, not really. <laughs> when everybody ganged up on him. But right now, when you were saying that, for some reason, I was thinking to myself, who would have played a better Apocalypse? And I, I don't know if he would have been better, but maybe more looked the part. I just imagine, like, Dolph Lundgren. Just, <laughs> just all jacked up, back, like, from the 80s, just in a bigger suit, just like, ugh. Maybe not give him any lines, but... Well, I mean, like, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I could have seen, like, Ron Perlman playing the part. I think that would have been... That know, would have been he amazing. Been, he's, he's a big dude. Oh, he yeah. has a very distinct, deep voice. Don't, I mean, I've said many times, Oscar Isaacs, I don't understand the hype around him yet. Mm. I don't, I, I, I liked him as Poe Dameron, don't get me wrong, but that's because his lines are all comedic. 
Like yeah. all of his lines are very he's the funny, funny and he's, he's the he's the comedy relief in, in that in the most of the movie that he's in. Uh, other than that, his other performances, like I don't I don't see it. Ex Machina, he's just kind of a dude. Like yeah, just it, a sociopath. Dude. Yeah, I mean, Come like on, the man. other two actors in that movie, I think really carry the movie. Other than him, so I don't know the thing about Isaac Oscar Isaac's yet. Yeah. Don't give, I don't know nothing about him personally. He, he could be a cool guy. I don't, I'm yeah. not trying to say anything mean about him, but I just don't. I don't get the hype around him yet. I can get that. So when they announce that he's going to be Apocalypse, I'm like, that just seems like a, a it's a, it's another one of these things. Like, and I I, I say Warner Brothers DC does it a lot. Is they just grab whoever's popular, yeah, put him and in put him in the role, and hopefully it'll stick. And it, hopefully it will stick. But as we see a lot of the times, it doesn't. Work. <laughs> it doesn't because you're you're ca- you're you're changing the character to the actor instead of the actor to the character. Yeah, that's a really good point. And uh, and I think that and that's what happens in a lot of these movies. So you have we have uh, Storm who does who apparently now generates electricity instead of yeah instead of calling down the lightning. Right. You have uh, Angel who uh, for some reason. Apocalypse gives everybody else a power boost, but when he goes to give him, he makes him suffer for it. Oh, yeah. He gives him, like, I'm going to give you crazy wings. <laughs> yeah. Like, ah! And then all of a sudden, <laughs> this metal starts bursting out of his chest and yep. back and stuff, and you're just like, why did that guy have to go through all that pain and nobody else did? Right? The character with the least amount of uh, character development <laughs> yeah. is thrust into this just, oh, why is this happening to me? <laughs> I completely get that, yeah. And... With that, yeah, you have these char- you have the characters with these 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 strange or updated powers, and it just it doesn't flow that well. And, and I and I get that. Going back to the whole whip thing that Psylocke creates, right? It's yeah, like literally she. So when she uses that whip, she whips it around a piece of uh, concrete, uh-huh. snaps that concrete in half, and then right after that, it goes around Beast's neck. Yep. You would think that that means the death of Beast right there, right, dead, He's, gone. But no, she doesn't use it. Right. So what was the point? Yeah. What one thing that I did like though is I, I didn't think I was gonna like it because again uh, with Sophie Turner I always just see her as Sansa Stark that's always how I'm gonna see her and I, and I always hear that accent always I can't help it and she did pretty well in this movie but I liked her I thought they didn't have so much Jean to the point where it was like oh okay this is a Jean Grey movie they had enough of her for me personally where I was like okay and then at the end when she kind of comes out I liked it it was all right it wasn't as big like oh okay Phoenix already but you could you could you could see that. I actually really liked what they did with Scott in this movie. Okay, it, so let's get to Scott then. Let's get to Scott. Because I have something to say about Sophie Turner and, and Jean, but let's get to Scott. So you have this character who, in the comic books, he's older than Alex, his brother Alex. Oh, yeah. Yes, he is. And, he's uh, the one that takes care of Alex. Right. And, uh, and, and all of a sudden, you have Alex, who's 20 years older than him, come and introduce him to Xavier's school. Now, in... When Scott first develops his his uh, in the comic books, when he first develops his uh, eye beams, he hits his head, his head on the ground, on a rock or something like oh, that, so that makes it so that he can't turn it off. Right. In this one, they don't do that. No, they have they have none of that origin. His family is there. He has a family. He has he's fa- not in an orphanage. <laughs> no, he's not in an orphanage. And he's old. He's younger than his actual brother. He has more of an edge to him. Which okay, so that was another thing was that like. Literally, I thought when the the bully was coming in to to punch him in the or to beat him up in the in the in the bathroom, uh-huh. that would have been the perfect scene to have the bully throw a punch, hits him in the side of the head. Now he can't control his power. Yeah, but they don't use that. He literally blasts the door, hits the bully. The bully goes against the wall. I was like, that guy's dead. Yeah, that's he got exactly. He, uh, uh, he had a force beam hit a door, which then hit him, and then hit a wall. He's dead, or at least his back is broken. No, the kid gets up and he's just like, "Oh, what was that? You're a freak," you know, kind of thing. 
And I was just like, I, I laughed. I laughed in the theater. <laughs> like, it's just, it's just wrong. So then you get to the part where they introduce his, his parents. Uh-huh. And I'm like, his parents are someone in the comic books. You can't just, like, be, like, introducing these people as nobodies. That's Corsairs oh, and yeah. the mother of Vulcan. Oh, yeah. She's <laughs> a, he's in the stars with his pirate gang. Like, oh, so the fact that they're just, like, normal, everyday, straight-edge people just like, Oh, uh, we didn't know that he was going to be someone like you. You know, it's like, geez, we're still you're still playing this whole thing off of of you know the parents not liking their their kid because obviously you know we had that whole scene in X two where Bobby has to confront his parents yeah. and say, look, I'm I'm a mutant. And she's like, oh, have you ever tried not being a mutant? And, and it's it's very reminiscent of of a child having to come to terms with his sexuality right. or sexual orientation and talking to his parents and they're and coming out of the closet and stuff like that. And you're still playing that angle up. And that's what I thought a lot of the problem with this, this movie is that Brian Singer kept referring back to X-Men and X, X1 and X2 because yeah. those are the two movies he directed. Yeah. So he, there's a lot of lines and a lot of things that just keep referring back to those. Referring back to those movies. Especially the part when they come out of, the, of watching Return of the Jedi... And Sophie Turner, or as Jean says, well, everybody knows the third movie always sucks. Yep. Which is them making fun of X3, which uh, the general public doesn't like, but I think is is, is my favorite of the X-Men movies. Right. Uh, and she's making fun of that movie, but if you look at it this way, X-Men First Class is the first is the first movie in the new reboot. This is the third movie in the new reboot. You've just made, inf- made fun of yourself. Just a meta joke. You just insulted awesome. your own movie. That's awesome. I didn't even think of that. Wow. <laughs> And that, that's a really good point. And it's, again, he's, he's trying to take that control. And I, again, with Scott, going back to that point, it's, they, 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 as far as the comic books are concerned, it wasn't a true characterization. And there was a lot of it that just like, oh. But I think for me, it was just finally nice to see a Scott Summers that had something to do. <laughs> I think that's what it ultimately was. Yes, because in X-Men 2, uh, uh, Marsden, all he has to do is push... Uh, Xavier around in the wheelchair. That's yep. literally his whole that part of the movie. That was his role. That was his role. But yeah, you're right. Uh, but but to me, Scott Summers is the leader of the X Men. Oh yeah, definitely. So when you have this kid who finally gets to the school and now he has his pair of like the first part of this, the whole part of the school is him being fumbly and and a dork and like oh, I don't know what to do. I can't see nothing. And yeah, then well, I don't want to be here. Yeah. And then he gets his glasses and he's just sprawled out on the couch like. What's up, guys? And all of a sudden, he's cool. He's got this confidence. <laughs> yeah. Because I feel like, yeah, they were trying. So one, they were trying. I think they were trying to do two things with him in this movie. One, again, develop that relationship between him and Gene. So mm-hmm. as they build the next movie, that's going to be a centerpiece. I'm hoping that it's also leading to him becoming more of a central character. I don't know if they're going to have um, Jennifer Lawrence in in the next film, whatever they decide to do well, with it. Well, according to reports, she has said that she would love to play Mystique for as long oh. as they'd have her. Okay. So that... That's all about money. That's maybe what that maybe that's is. the one where she becomes the bad guy. <laughs> and that's like, oh, Mystique, how could you? And then they have to stand up and go it, against. It, you know, it would be just like Days of Future Past, where she was the bad guy in the beginning of the movie, and at the end, she's going to be the good guy. Oh yeah, it always comes back. That's the way it would end up being. Yeah. So I would say, I would say, uh, yeah, because other reports have shown that there's an untitled X Men movie supposed to come out in the future, which uh, is not supposed to be the one that that is hinted at at the end of this one but is more than likely might be either an X-Force movie a New Mutants movie or a Dark Phoenix movie so if they did Dark Phoenix Saga that would definitely be Gene and and Scott that would be I feel like it'd be too early though 
Oh, it'd definitely be too early, yeah, but that wouldn't stop them. Oh, at all, no. <laughs> I mean, you have, what, the first movie, second movie, and already you got that going on. Yeah, it's it's too much. I'd love to see an X-Factor movie. Um, I know that Ron Perlman is, is, is trying to become Cable. Right. Because he wants to be, you know, with, with Deadpool. That that might be a good... I've heard there, there's a few actors that have tried to put their name out there right now. To, to There's Ron Perlman, there's uh, Stephen Lang, who played... Uh, oh, really? Yeah, the bad guy in Avatar, the, the one that uh, you guys were talking about not too long ago. The, yeah. Uh, and then there's um, I don't know he was good. I don't know. Okay. There was I forget. There's another person, but I don't remember who it is at this moment. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of people out there wanting to be in, in Cable. Which why not? The, the movie, the, the first Deadpool movie, grossed how much movie? Oh, how yeah. much money? And cable is a fan favorite. Like Cable would be amazing. Very much so. So wow. then you'd have to get. How are you going to get into Cable's origin without talking about Scott and Gene? Exactly. <laughs> oh. But so, already we have this, these bastardizations of Scott and Jane. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> again, again, passionate, right? You feel for you love these characters, and they're not given justice. Great. I'm just happy that they've built be so much better with these new films. Oh yes, that's what I like. Nicholas about Holt, that. I think, has done a great job. Other great. than the fact that he keeps going back to this whole uh, "I'm in the friend zone" feeling yeah. thing with Mystique, which is also weird because the two of them were a couple in real life. I did not know that. Yeah, uh, Jennifer Lawrence and Nicholas Holt were a couple oh. since, since X Men First Class. Like, oh, they, wow. and then they broke up and all, blah blah blah. But you know, that's that's you know, you got to wonder how much of that is coming up on screen and how much yeah. of it is is real life and how, how how they separate themselves. But I don't like what they've done to Beast. Beast being my, one of my favorite characters, they've made him into a werewolf. That sometimes he's human, sometimes. and then he doesn't like being blue, and then it only happens because he doesn't take his medication, kind yeah. of thing. So, like, because the beast that I like has accept- accepted that he's blue, you right? Know, he's, yeah, he's he's accepted the fact that he has these oversized hands and feet. You know, like those are the things, and 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 that's one of the things I think they're missing from these X Men movies is that uh, being a mutant in the X Men comic books is is not like being a superhero. It's not like being Captain America. It's not like being. Uh, not even like being Spider-Man to to a point, because they have physical things that make them look different. Yeah. Also, so that people can sit there and hate against mutants. Right. So they have great power, but they also have these things that that make it so that people don't like them. Exactly. Scott does isn't able to ever see anything without without red. Right. You know, Wolverine is obviously uh, going to live forever, so he doesn't. He doesn't. He has a hard time feeling, or you know, what he goes into berserker rage, things like yeah, that. Rogue can't touch anybody without killing them. These are all things things that are make them so that they're not the the, the carbon copies of of these idolized heroes, right? And I think that's what makes it so beautiful because that's what I always loved about the X Men is you have these characters that go out every day and try to help these people, but all that they're given is like, oh, that's an that's a mutant, right? Uh, and I, I think that that really resonates with people. The idea of you do you do good if you can, if you have the ability to do good, and you have these other people. You know, like you have your Captain America, you have your Iron Man. Same universe, the Fantastic Four. They go out, they do these great things. They're loved, they're honored, they become these celebrities. And then you have the X Men, who you know are also in these huge life-ending events. They lose so many people, and then they're giving given nothing for it. And again, they can't hide. A lot of them can't hide from who they are. Nightcrawler can't hide. He he looks the way that he does. Mystique, she has the, the, the ability to be able to be whoever she wants. Right. And then, again, if you do even... And imagine being a mutant like in today's day of age, right? Specifically with so much social media being able to see all of these things all the time. Everything that you do is under a microscope. Mm-hmm. And that makes it even harder. Right. And so I think that's, that really resonates with a lot of people. And just not being able to escape and people just not liking you. 
and you didn't do anything to them. And I mean, and I feel that's what make that's what I always loved about Scott personally is he's not like Professor X where it's always like we have to do the greater good this that or whatever. Right. He was more of that character that had that gray area. He understood, especially after House of M event, that sometimes there's certain things you need to do. You need to be preemptive. Right, and that's the one thing I, I, I exactly you're exactly right. The one thing I loved about Scott is that. Though Xavier sees it on the grand scale that we need to be better, we need to do that. He, Scott's always about, well, I need to protect my family. Yep. And then after House of N and Decimation, his family became a lot larger, but he still said, I need to do what I need to do to protect all these mutants. I have to make these hard decisions. Right. And it became, and that's why, and always to me, one of my favorite moments is in um, X Men, uh, no, Avengers vs. X Men, specifically in the scene where Captain America comes to the island to take hope, and then Namor is just kind of watching, and then basically says to the aside saying this is why i always respect scott summers because he does what he has to do to keep his people safe mm-hmm. and like I think, a king would exactly and exactly that's what like namer would, would see would would respect about it yeah exactly so so one thing that i didn't like about this movie is that you to me i know i know it's, it's a lot to put on to a new new actor who's just coming in to play scott true but they don't Give me that leadership role that I know Scott's going to eventually have. They gave him more of that lone wolf. Again, they gave him more qualities of Wolverine. Exactly. Like, it, have could you have not had him like sitting there reading a book about uh, war strategy or something? Right. You know, just like just anything that would be that would show me that you know where this character is going and that it would make it that much better. But no, you'd rather have him be this outraged teenage kid and rebellious and and you're putting things on him that you don't. That maybe comes from your life or somewhere else, but not from the character that we've seen in the comic book. Exactly. And I feel they can still correct it, specifically if the next movie, if they kind of start developing something where he grows into the leadership role, which Mm -hmm. would be nice. But, again, seeing some of these films and kind of the things that they've done and the the trends that they go towards, I feel that's not what we're going to end up seeing. Someone else will take the leadership role, and, again, we'll have – because there's always the clear cut. These are the front characters. These are the background (laughs) characters. If they're going to be building a Dark Phoenix saga – then Cyclops should be one of the central points of this film, and hopefully they do it justice, but we'll see what they kind of end up doing. I see them using, um, again, this wouldn't be, we couldn't review this movie without really talking about, of course, Quicksilver, right, Peter? (laughs) He's going to be a big focal point. I like how his thing has now become slowly saving people listening to some specific song. From that era. From that era. Right. No, and and I... Trust me, in, in Days of Future Past, I loved it. That scene that they 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 do it in, where they save him from the from the whatever the jail cell that that, that Magneto's in, mm-hmm. enjoyed the hell out of it. Completely unexpected, like beautiful. But then they do it like three more times in this movie, and I was just like, I'm over it. You you guys are just exacerbating the the the, the gag yeah. because it did well in the first movie. I feel the only reason that I liked for what it was was because they used the Eurythmic song. Right. No, and I think fair that, enough. Yeah. That was that was an awesome, it's a good pick. It's a great song, and and I think you learn from Guardians of the Galaxy if you have a great soundtrack yep. to go with your movie, you're gonna you're gonna do well because that movie I would say did a lot. It was a great movie. Don't get me wrong. I think the the soundtrack just boosted it that much more. Oh yeah, that's what made it so good. It had a, it had its own theme within this larger universe, right? Which I think worked perfectly because again, people will connect to a movie more for like. I remember that song. Anything that goes back to nostalgia. And I think that's what made these films even more successful. Because, again, you go back to First Class, you go back to Days of Future Past, but it's always going back to a specific time period. Right. 
a time period where we felt things were better, right. arguably, right? Because yesterday was always better. Exactly. That's what nostalgia is. We always tend to be, you know, to fond over what used to be. Oh, things were better then. <laughs> but we always remember it differently. Yeah. Right? Cause... And so we romanticize it in a sense. <laughs> That's what these movies do. They romanticize that sense. <laughs> exactly. You always have that... Uh, you always have the good memories of, of, of days past, and I mean, there, there are the bad memories that you you have, but you don't focus on those ones. You right. focus on the good memories. Um, so, which I guess would would also bring up to, to the point that uh, at the like at the end of the movie, you have you have okay. So Peter's character, uh, uh, Quicksilver, he goes. The first thing he tells Mystique when he when he meets her and finally gets to talk to her is. Oh, you know Magneto? She's like, yeah, uh, he's my dad. All right, cool. You know, like, you don't really need to tell her that. Yeah, it just kind of comes out of nowhere. <laughs> they force this issue all of a sudden, and then he spends the rest of the movie deciding not to tell him. Not to tell him. Like, it, literally, you're at the point where she's like, Mag- Mystique is like, look, uh, uh, Eric, you have a lot to live for. You have... A son right over here, but she never says. She never it. says. Which, which at at that point, I thought was really good because it's like it's not her place to out him. Yeah, that's to, true. To sit there and say, "Look, this guy is your son. You need to relate to him." It, right. She leaves it to him to be like, "You should." And then she's like, "He doesn't say it." So she's like, "You have other family," referring to uh, Xavier and herself and stuff like that as being his family. Right. And then. <laughs> they totally go and negate that. I mean, because right there, he doesn't say it. Like, no. Like. Peter or uh, Quicksilver says, uh, "Yeah, I'm here to look out for my family too. Yeah. Like that's the whole reason I'm here." And like you totally lose that opportunity, which you should have used it because Magneto is destroying the world right there. Like if you take into account what he's doing, the, the that's a moment where you have to the catastrophic step in. like results consequences from what he is doing right there is going to be bad. Like I know everything is happy go lucky after they defeat po- Apocalypse, but bringing up all that. Uh, uh, magnetic material from the core of the Earth is not yeah. going to be good for the Earth at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you get to the point where Magneto and Gene are replacing the ha- the mansion, like they're fixing the mansion back up. Which, don't get me started on that. Do you really want to sleep in that house and walk on that second story when you know that Gene and Magneto put it back together? Yeah. Do they go to carpentry school? Do oh, they know no. how to put a house together? Nope. Is the plumbing actually going to work all that great? That's see, and those are the things they could just gloss over, like, "Oh, look at these cool powers." <laughs> but realistically, in a realistic sense, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. However, uh, Jubilee walks up to Quicksilver and goes, "Hey, I heard that, uh, or no, I, uh, Mystique told me that uh, Magneto's your dad." And you're just like, "You're like what?" Mystique went and told yeah, Jubilee. Why, yeah. Why? Where'd that come from? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, like, he still hasn't said anything to Magneto about it, but yet... I just... Going, I don't know I don't know why they're saving it. I don't... It, I guess it was, that was the the line they drew, that that was too much for this movie. I guess, Like, yeah. we, we wouldn't want to cram that one in. See, and that would have been a, a nice, you know, end credits. You're like, yeah, you're my dad. Or something <laughs> like that. You know, and that, that was another thing is that this movie, like, ta- it, this movie in particular of all the X-Men movies really tries to force this family idea in, in, yes. in that, which is is a great example of X-Men comic books in general. X-Men comics is, and Fantastic Four comic books has always been about family. Oh, yeah. And that's one thing I think that they did wrong with the new Fantastic Four movie. Obviously, that movie was crap. And this is the thing. <laughs> so I, I, I don't call them film reviews. What I do is I watch movies because everybody watches movies, but I like to, to put them on Twitter and just my, – my thoughts. Right. And I like to rewatch movies. And most films, I try to find something good about it. 
I think Fantastic Four, the new one that came out recently, is arguably the one of the first movies that I've ever seen that I just there was nothing about it that I enjoyed. <laughs> it was a complete defamation to the characters. The story itself was crap. In the movie, it's oh. like even if you watch that movie as just a movie and not a comic book movie, it it, it it's not good. It's it not, doesn't flow. It doesn't. It doesn't have. It doesn't have structure. You don't care for the characters. You don't care for any of the characters. What the hell was Doctor Doom? <laughs> <laughs> so like oh. like that's. I mean that's one thing that I felt was very much missing from uh, both X Men and and the Fantastic Four movies is that this the sense of family because more than anything else those those two groups. Keep, that's what keeps them together. Yeah. The idea that they need to stick together to get through this. And uh, bear in mind, Fantastic Four is a lot more happy than it is than the X Men fi- family, right. you, you know, is because they ha- they're being persecuted all the time. Yeah. But uh, for a movie that talks so much about family, they, the literal family that they 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 show they don't even use. They don't use it all. Like yeah. Alex dies, so Scott's now brotherless and the the whole his whole emotional reaction is cut to half a second of yeah where's my brother done you know it, it, he doesn't even get to mourn nothing happens all of a sudden he's at the weapon x facility perfectly fine getting getting to hang out with wolverine yep. in his weapon x outfit yep <laughs> <laughs> so that was uh, like and that and that scene is totally just thrown in there like one I already had a problem with it because of the, in the preview, the fact that they they, show, they they let that out. Yeah, they showed that. Like, that would have been better as a reveal. Like, oh, okay. That would have been a great reveal. Yeah. Because you already know that Hugh Jackman's going to be in the movie, but why throw it into that point? Yeah. Two, now we have yet another origin of, of Wolverine coming out of the vat, killing a whole bunch of Weapon X people, and then leaving. And we've, because we've already seen that in the first X-Men. Oh, we've seen that so many X-Men times. 2. Flashbacks, origins. Oh, X-Men origins, you know. Flashbacks and the Wolverine. <laughs> It, it, it's it's overused, oh, yeah. and, and now we have a th- so now we have another one where where he's wearing the actual Weapon X thing, and that mm-hmm. was, that was another thing I felt Fox was like, look, the uh, the 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 comic book readers really love it when you stick to their costumes, the costumes that you see in the comic books, and like, okay, so you're giving us these things, but you're totally changing the character, like yeah, you have Mystique, it's in not this, the same, you have this Mystique in her what a costume that looks just like the one that you see in the comic book with the with the white dress and stuff, but it's not exactly the same because it's this flight suit and it's yeah. it's got all this other thing, but you still changed Mystique. Yeah, it's kind of like when you try to force a banana inside the skin of an apple. It's, it's not gonna, <laughs> it's it's not, not gonna, gonna work. work. But we know that looks like an apple now, like, so oh, we're like, yeah. And then you bite into it and you're like, what is this? <laughs> How dare you betray me? <laughs> uh, so, uh, and the, finally, you get to the, to the. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of, in this movie that either we've glossed over, we skipped over. I think, in general, I just didn't. I, I just had a problem with it fundamentally. Right. And I, I do. I, I have said this online this this week since watching it, saying that I would love to hear from someone who doesn't know anything about X Men. To tell me how they felt about it as a movie, exactly. Yes. Because I, I for some reason I just couldn't separate myself in this particular case because I had such an affiliation for X Men. Yeah, but um, we get to the post credit scene. Yes, which you know is now a staple of comic book movies that you're you're going to have a scene at the very end that's going to set up either either it's supposed to be a joke or it's set up for the future movie, yeah, setting something up, or it's it's a character that you just happened to, to lose throughout the movie like you know uh, a lot of the times it's kind of a, an extra wink at the fans exactly so this time it's it's 
men in black, basically. Yeah. Uh, some you know guys in suits coming into the Weapon X facility, cleaning up after Wolverine killed everybody. Everybody. That's another thing. I like that these movies don't gloss over that. Like when Wolverine <laughs> kills somebody, someone gets killed, and and that's only going to be even more in the third Wolverine movie where they've said they're going to make it rated R. So God. he's gonna you're gonna see people's heads get cut off. Yep. You're gonna see eviscerations and guts just falling out. I hope. Oh, I hope I so mean, too. it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting thing to, to watch. watch. It's gonna get an R rated movie because they're gonna say like they're gonna say fuck one time. <laughs> or a couple times, and they're gonna show like nudity at some point. Yeah, that would be. Oh, be so that's angry. probably the only thing that's gonna. And I'll be pissed too. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah. So you have this this Men in Black group come in, and they they're cleaning up uh, Weapon X, and they go to the to the to the tank that was holding Wolverine, and they open up a secret panel that was part of the wall. That of course, because no, there would be <laughs> right, and and they go to grab which happens to looks like basically a vial of Wolverine's blood. It says Wolverine and it says Weapon X, or it says Weapon X on it, yeah. and they put it into a case with a, a with other vials of the same shape but different colors. Right. So if you're if you're going to be setting if and then oh I'm sorry then the case closes and it says Excess Corp on it, yeah. which then means to us as comic readers. Uh, what's Mr. Sinister is coming because at Nathan Nathan Essex is is his other name, secret identity name. That's right. So if you're setting up like an X twenty three thing, why not have the vial say X twenty three? Exactly. Which is a very prominent character in in the the comic book X Men universe. Which that's what the vial did say. That's where she got her name from because the vial said X twenty three on it, mm-hmm. which is supposed to be the twenty third uh, version of of the Weapon X or, or Wolverine's blood or whatever you want to have it. Right. So they didn't they didn't set that up right. Then you have to take into account that the the vial is probably is blood. It's Wolverine's blood. It's got his healing factor in it and whatever. It's got his essence in it. They put it next to a vial that's yellow, a vial that's green, and a vial that's orange. What is it, what is supposed to be in those other things? Now. Is this supposed to be blood from other mutants? Do we have the Hulk's blood in there for some reason? Even right. though he's part of Marvel right. and not what Fox? is this? Yeah, and that, that was a big part because I remember watching that scene and I knew what it meant, but everybody else, I remember like just hearing people going like, "What the hell was that?" Yeah, what's that supposed to mean? <laughs> it's kind of like the ending credit scene for um, um, what was it? Um, Predator versus Aliens Requiem. Yeah, same thing. Is like what the I don't understand. It, it wasn't there wasn't enough in it where the fans were like. Okay. <laughs> and it, and it, like, I thought they try to set something up, but they set it up incorrectly. Right, yeah, exactly. Exactly what you're saying. The fans are just like, okay. I, like It's like, a, like I, I, I kind of get it, but I'm not excited. And then people who don't know anything about it are just like, I don't know what the fuck just happened. If they're setting up X-23, a better scene would have been they open up that panel, they go back there, and there's another cage, and she's in there. Yeah. With the claws. That would have been perfect. That would have been perfect. Or even well, if, like, like they, they go out and then, you like, uh, Sinister is in there. Yeah. So or even just, like, a shadowy figure. Of, like, <laughs> and he, just, he turns around like Thanos at the end of, um, was it the end of the Guardians of the Galaxy or Avengers? I don't remember. When they first show him. Uh, Avengers. And then he just kind of turns around and you see his face. And he smiles. And then yeah. you could have the same thing with Sinister and a, a red thing like exactly. on his forehead. That's all you would have needed. And people would be like, oh, oh, yeah. Rather than showing the words and then showing these different colored Kool-Aids. <laughs> all, all I could think was is, is dishwasher soap in, in there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, that's that's where I'm at with this movie. It's just It was so disappointing on, on so many levels um, for me. And I, I just, I just, it really stems from, because to me, 
when I go watch a movie, I really invest in characters, and right. the fact that there's no characterization for a lot of these characters, uh, he's Brian Singer's relying Brian Singer and Simon Kingberg. I don't even want to say just one of them or both of them or whatever. You know, they rely a lot on 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 uh, the the other movies that have already come out. Yeah, they they then go ahead and rely on a lot of uh, pe- what people might already know outside of this movie, and it's just it's just gets things wrong on on a fundamental level. For yeah. Me. So, like I said, we like you. You were saying we're not, we're not trying to review the movie. But yeah. <laughs> if I had to say anything, I'd have to say it's a bad review for me. <laughs> and I mean, looking at it from my perspective, it's you know, reading comic books, reading the X Men. Yes, it, it it follows some areas, but overall, it doesn't. And you said it perfectly. Um, they're trying to create a movie that they want, and they're trying to utilize things from other areas and this established universe they've already created. But the problem is the universe they've created has a lot of holes in it. Right. There's a lot of issues with it. Right. So if they keep pulling from that, their new their, their new reimagining, because that's what I think a lot of this is. They're trying to kind of restart, but utilizing what they already have so that it keeps to like, oh, look at us. We're like Marvel. We've kept on with this, whereas... Spider-Man had its three movies and then it ended. Fantastic Four had its two movies and then it ended. Blade had its three movies and they should have made a fourth, but whatever. Um, <laughs> and so like, they're saying like, no, we're still here. Look what we're doing. And I feel like they're just being very um, stubborn in the sense of this is what we used to have. And they want to keep those elements to remind the audience so they can go back and watch those movies. But they're trying to establish something better now that that fits this pattern that Marvel Studios has been created with the Avengers. As an X-Men fan, I th- again, there were parts of the movie that I really enjoyed. I thought that they they did the, the, the Eric and... Um, Professor X story very well. There was real emotion behind it. I really liked that. I thought it could have been worse in the way that they introduced um, Gene and Scott. So I, I'll give them points for that. Um, but as a whole, I felt it didn't feel that. It didn't feel that important. It didn't feel that. I didn't feel like it was too much of high stakes. Like, yeah, Magneto's going to tear the, the Earth apart and Apocalypse is there. But I felt even though Apocalypse was the main villain, I felt he was just kind of a catalyst for all these people to fight each other. Yeah. That's all it was. It I didn't really, really was. I didn't really care for him. <laughs> and I felt that the characters and the relationships I've already made with some of the characters made the movie enjoyable for me. It had enough strong performances where I was like, okay, this isn't bad. But it's, and, and, and it followed enough of the source material for me to be okay. But there were things that I couldn't forgive, like the not use of Jubilee, um, the, the basic... I didn't enjoy the characterization at all of Apocalypse. And then what they did with, with Storm, Psylocke, and what they did with um, Angel. I just felt some of those things are just unforgivable because yeah. you've had all these opportunities to, to, to establish new characters. And maybe there were too many characters. That could, that could be an argument. Uh, that, that could definitely be an argument. But a lot of the characters in this movie are already set up. They're, they're already – right. you don't need to set them up anymore. So you could have right. focused more on these three characters that are brand new – well, Angel not so much, or Storm not so much, but like at least uh, Jubilee and right. uh, uh, Psylocke. Right, or just don't have Jubilee in the movie. Or just don't have... Bring her in in the next one. She definitely could have been brought into the next one. Right. Um, other, so the other two we have for this year, I believe, uh, are uh, Suicide Squad and Doctor Strange. How, oh. how do you feel about these movies, just from the trailer so far? So with Doctor Strange, I mean, I watch a lot of Sherlock, so the fact that He's going to be playing Doctor Strange. I don't have a problem with. 
I've never really gotten a lot into Doctor Strange's story. I know I, I know his story from when he joined the Illuminati and kind of his new story on you know trying to stop all of the cataclysmic events before Secret Wars. But besides that, all I know about Doctor Strange is you know he has the eye of Agamotto or whatever, mm-hmm. and he's you know he uses a lot of magic, which is fine, and he helps train the Scarlet Witch. Um, as far as the, the what I'm seeing, it looks really pretty. It looks you know Inception esque. I feel like they're <laughs> going to be using a lot of visuals, which yes. is fine with me. It's right. going to look like a very pretty movie. But the trailer hasn't given me anything else where it's going to be like, okay, I'm not invested just yet. Fair enough. With Suicide Squad, you know, I love the animated movie that they came out with. Uh, I've read the comic books, both pre New Fifty Two and New Fifty Two. And with this movie, I really enjoy it. But again, anytime that you use a Queen song to really utilize in the trailer, <laughs> I'm going to love it. I think Margaret Robbie is going to make an awesome Harley Quinn. I think she she will play the part very well. I like that they're utilizing other characters. I like that Batman's going to show up, supposedly. And, you know, I don't have a problem with Jared Leto's Joker or all of these online speculations that it's Jason Todd or <laughs> it's a different Joker. Well, um, I will, you know what, I'm going to say this. I definitely want, after Suicide Squad comes in, I want you to come back and we would, we would talk about that movie. I would love to um, <laughs> because that one, it looks it looks like fun. But it looks adult. Right. And I think that's what's going to make it good. And I know there were a lot of rumors about like, oh, they had to go back and reshoot scenes because they put all of the humor in the trailer. <laughs> and I think that was kind of an issue with Batman versus Superman, which I enjoyed um, that it wasn't funny enough. Yeah. You know, I'm glad you said that here at the end because I would have to, I'm going to have to kick you out now. You said you enjoyed Batman versus Superman. There it is. <laughs> I've, I've outstayed my welcome. <laughs> No, no, no. Truly, you're welcome here anytime, and uh, you know you've been a great guest. We've been we've been talking for an hour already. So, oh, there it is. I, I you know, it just it's that passion it flew by. Yeah, yeah, it did. so fast. So, uh, I, once again, you uh, where can you be found? Yeah, so um, I am one of the co-hosts, I guess you would say, the whole turn on, tune in, drop out mentality of a conversation with this new machine, a podcast that you can find on our YouTube channel. Just look for this new machine. And then you can also find me on Twitter, either at Mobile Rafi, which is my personal. I retweet cool things, I guess. <laughs> but, I mean, if you want to you know, listen to me talk about movies, I also have my handle at Rafa at the movies. And with that one, like I said, it's movies are an enjoyable medium because you can watch them with someone and you take all of this work that people put together. And when you went to the showing, did they have a section where Storm was talking to you guys before the movie started? Yes. Right. I thought that was very interesting because, again, all of the people that go into making a production, right? And so I kind of keep that in mind and I try to find something good about the movies that I watch. Because for me, there's movies that are good and there's movies that could have been better. And there's movies that I love. And it's all about that storytelling. How well do they do it, the character development. And that's what I try to kind of get across. No, that, that, exactly how I would I couldn't put it any better. Uh, for me, I was at agent underscore of the underscore bat on Twitter. You could definitely get a hold of me there. It's at Geek Elite Radio for Twitter. And then we are also uh, Geek Elite Radio on Facebook. So we have most of our conversation there. I would love for you if you come and you know, join in. I would love to come anytime. If anybody, if anybody wants to have a question about after this podcast, so you know they can totally bring it in uh, or ask it there, and you can you can answer too. And then uh, our website is geekleetradio.com where we have uh, archived version, uh, archived uh, episodes of this podcast, and then also all our other podcasts in the Geekly mm. Radio Network. Uh, but until next week, let's say this has been. Hey Mitch on the Geek Elite Radio Network saying always remember to geek out. Geek out. That's right. (laughs) We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.